Welcome back, everybody, to the Envision Fishing Podcast. In this episode, I talk to Mr. Ronnie Green from the TV show A Fishing Story. It's a great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. And everybody, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, everything. Just look up the Envision Fishing Podcast on all the social media sites. We're there. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and CastBox. Enjoy the episode, guys. Welcome everybody back to the Envision Fishing Podcast. I'm Curtis, and unfortunately this week we are not able to have Rich here. He had to work tonight. It really stinks, but to make up for it, I got one of the best guests that I could find. And today we have an amazing guy. Um, you might have seen his TV show. It's called A Fishing Story with Ronnie Green, and today we have that that man, Ronnie Green. How you doing today, Ronnie? I'm doing fantastic, man, and it's an honor to be on your show, man. Uh, you're doing great things, man. I love what you do as well. So I'm a fan of yours, man, if that's okay. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm extremely okay with it. I, I'm just happy to have been able to meet you at the Bassmaster Classic and everything, and it was just happenstance that I met you because I literally just – I was still on a um, Bill Dance and James Watson high from actually getting to meet them in person. <laughs> And I walk upstairs, and there you are. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, "That's Ronnie Green. That's Ronnie Green." <laughs> so I went, and and I yelled out for you, and you stopped, and it was really cool. I really, really appreciate the time that you took with me there. I know you were a busy man. So, uh, well, let's get into talking about you and your stuff. All right. So you were a Marine, correct? Yes. Yes, definitely. Simplify, Devil Dog. You know, every aspect of the Marine Corps, I live and breathe it um, and try to tuck it in. According to my wife, she's like, tuck it in, Ronnie, because <laughs> I just love that the Marine Corps culture and what it's done for me in my life. I thought I had a pretty good life growing up and pretty tight. And um, but uh, the Marine Corps can bring out some things that you, in you that you didn't know you had. It, it's just amazing. I love the Marine Corps and what it stands for. Well, I know that my brother and I both, even though he's not here, we want to thank you for your service. It thank is, you. It's It really means to a lot. Uh, we come from my nieces. Um, they are fifth generation military. Wow. Um, Outstanding. Yeah, we, we come from a very long line. I unfortunately didn't get to go in. Um, I'm legally blind in one eye and borderline in the other. So I wear mm. contacts and it's correctable, but they... They just don't think I should be able to, you know, go out there and shoot a gun or something. <laughs> so, so let's go back a little bit farther. So before the Marines, you went, you were a, you were a track star, basically. You were a yes. sprinter. At, <laughs> you were an all-American sprinter at Texas Tech, right? Yes. Yes. That's great that you, you recognize that. That is uh my old uh, school days uh, with Texas Tech, um, and you know we, we we lately we've been putting out some pretty decent athletes. You, you know Patrick really Mahomes, have. the Texas Tech Red Raider basketball team that gave a really good push towards a national championship. So there's some good stuff that comes out of Old West Texas, the Dust Bowl, and uh, besides the big cowboy belts and and all that good stuff, we can uh, do a little bit of everything. I really like Texas Tech. They're they're not my they're not my go to football team when it comes to college football. I'm an Ohio State fan, but oh yeah, uh, but I really like Texas Tech. There's something about the fans and how much they really just they have so much pride in their in their school and I, I really like I like how the fans act and they're just great people and I mean now that I know that you went to Texas Tech it's just another reason for me to like them a little bit more oh man oh man I love my Texas in general I am a diehard Texan and I still consider it home and no matter where I've lived across the world I, I people say well where are you from Texas and where do you live now uh, my heart is always in Texas, so, <laughs> but I, my body is over here. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, how Texans are, we're a little bit religious about our state, you know, we it, love, you kind of are. live and breathe Texas. So do you barbecue too? 
Do you make a man, good barbecue? You better watch out. I used to have two big smokers. One was about four foot wide. I will smoke anything that walks, man. <laughs> I am a smoking monster. I love smoking. If I can smoke eggs, I probably would. My wife wouldn't like it too much, but she knows I love that grill. It's a part of passage. Well, I know where I'm coming for dinner when I come down to Florida. Yeah, man. Uh, Make sure you make room in your belly, man, because we're going to fill it up real nice and good. Well, I'm down, man, anytime. Me and my wife travel a lot, so don't be surprised one of these days I call you and be like, hey, man, we're on our way to Florida. You available? I need some food. (laughs) <laughs> he'll be like how big is this hog you got on this this is a whole hog man those were the best type of barbecues like i grew up in the midwest and i like mm-hmm. i say i'm from missouri i live in alabama now but i'm from missouri oh yeah whole You're hog barbecues man those whole hog just pig you know we call them um what were they uh pig pickings yeah, man, we got a pig pickings, man, and those things are the greatest thing ever. They really are, man. And I, I am always been a a meat carnivore. I love being a carnivore, according to my wife. I just love big steaks and this and and not everybody is made cut out for that. But I'm every bit of a carnivore type. I love my meats, man. <laughs> well, me, I, I'm with you. And taters. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yep. If it ain't steak and potatoes, man, it ain't really worth eating. Unless it's it ain't pizza. Working, man. Unless Something it's pizza, because I love me some pizza. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did mention you you're living down there in Florida. So you live on in the um, Florida coast, right? Yes, Tampa. 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 Bay. And so that's on the Gulf side, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So with your show and everything, I'm sure you guys have fished for everything. But with where you're living, would you rather go out saltwater fishing or freshwater fishing? Man, that is a tough question because I've been in the middle of a mental battle lately. But my heart and soul is in bass fishing because that's what I love. I fish bass tournaments. Bass fishing is everything. But if I want to go out and get some meat, <laughs> salt water is the way to go because you can put up some kind of fight offshore i'm becoming like a a big fan of the offshore game in salt water you know pelagics I, I just love going after the bigger fish and things that i can eat and one of my favorites is uh, i love the mangrove snipers offshore the big boys i'm talking three pound mangrove snapper oh or some amberjacks, I'll smoke that, imagine that, and then, uh, you know, whatever comes across my uh, my line, man, I love that offshore game, because you could pull together some of the bass techniques by looking at your graph, and really understanding the bottom, maybe the cottage cheese bottom, we call it, or some little small transitions, 20 or 30 miles offshore, and it's just fun, that whole hunt, it just never changes. I mean, it, it, it's the same on the bass side, but the thrill of fighting something for 15, 20, 30 minutes is unbelievable. And it's even better when you can put them in a boat and say, look, honey, I brought home this. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I've done some – I've I lived in Virginia Beach for 16 years, so I, I've done oh, some nice. saltwater, saltwater fishing, a lot of it from docks and stuff, and I've caught a lot of really cool saltwater fish. Not a whole lot. I would, you know, I did the obligatory. I would go fishing for my dad's birthday. He could choose any day of the year, and I'd go for his birthday because his birthday's in December. Nice. Um, and then I'd go on Father's Day. Those were the two days back then that I would go fishing with him, and it was always saltwater fishing usually because we lived in Virginia, so and we're uh-huh. right there on the ocean, so we might as well go saltwater fishing. Yeah, it so, is incredible. It's and It's really fun. Florida has so many things. You know, you can do salt water, fresh water. I mean, it is, it's just got a plethora of so many different styles of fishing, even the kayak game. I get in my bonafide kayak, man, and it's a wrap. It is unbelievable, you know, because there's places when you do the inshore fishing that when the tide flushes out, mm, there's not going to be any boats in there, but it'll be a kayak or two, and I'll find some holes and get in there and wreck them. So it's just so much you can do. You know, I've seen people on 
paddle boards. I've seen people people find any way they they possibly can to get in the water and fish. And of course, we got the recreational boaters and the partiers like crazy. This is Florida, man. You see it all. Oh yeah, but I'm sure. I love it all and and enjoy the water just like everyone else. Um, so. Speaking of kayaks, my brother and I are huge into kayak fishing. We that's one of our favorite things to do. Um, mm. Like my brother's got a pretty sweet kayak. I don't even remember a new canoe kayak, mm-hmm. dude. And man, that thing's like a battleship. It's freaking cool though, man. Like I'm, I've got a little ten foot or no eleven foot. I've got an eleven foot. Um, Oh my gosh, I spaced on what brand it is. But I've got an 11 foot kayak I like. It's actually in Missouri right now, but um, I don't have it down here in Alabama. I've got my boat for that for down here. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, but so while you're out there, have you done any Goliath grouper fishing? Yes. That was epic. So I did a, it, it, it was the most incredible experience. You see this big old dinosaur coming up on a hook and it's just flopping that tail that tail's nothing but a hundred percent power and you feel that thrust when it goes down you know that tail has got some thrust in it and when that monster finally gives up and you look at it you're like whoa he probably could swallow me pretty quick he's a biggin and it's a lot of fun man the only challenge is i have to let him go I'm sure he's probably not edible, but growing up, we ate everything that we caught. (laughs) It's like, hey, drum, it's a drum, and we were eating it, and I had no idea. People are like, you ate drum growing up? Uh, Nobody told me I couldn't. Yeah, (laughs) My great-grandmother ate everything. I, I know a lot of people like that. I'm not, I'm not a, I don't eat fish. I I really don't eat anything. Mm. Um, I've I've never had a taste for it, but there are some, Mm -hmm. there are some, now, if the fish, um, there was a fish taco place when we went down to Destin last year mm-hmm. that um, they would literally make you fresh fish tacos, but they were closed all weekend long. I was so oh, wow. mad. Like they were buying the fish from the fishermen that were coming in that day. Wow. I was like, that is awesome. Now, yeah. That's some good stuff right there. Fresh fish. Dude, I would have had that all day long. I I don't mind if it's super fresh, but when you grow up in the Midwest, I mean, you go and buy seafood. There's not a freaking ocean within sixteen hours of you. <laughs> yeah, there, it's so not you fresh. know where is this coming from? <laughs> you know it's and not I, fresh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so I have to ask: Are you? Do peacock bass make it up to where you are? Yes, or I can make it down to where they are, which is really down south, um, down towards Miami area. Right. And they, they're they on fire, man. That's a fighting oh. monster. It is a beast. This little dude can tear up some tackle, and it's a fun fight. Can I, can you I tell you my Can I tell you my peacock bass story? Yes. So I contacted Monster Mike. And he told me everything. He told me where to go, where to get my bait, what to use for bait, everything. I get to where he told me to go. I was using golden shiners on a medium light rod. And I go out there, and I had just bought this rod and reel from, like, Walmart or something because I didn't bring any rods and reels with me. So I just wanted something, a quick throwaway in case I needed to get rid of it or if it got broken while we were traveling or whatever, I wouldn't be real angry. So... I go out there and the re- the handle for the reel was on the wrong side for me. Wow. So, and I'd already cast it out. I was like, well, nothing's going to hit my, nothing's going to hit this. <laughs> like, I've got time. It just hit the water. I undo it and I go to switch sides and a peacock bass slammed the crap out oh. of my golden shiner. Mm. I'm fighting with this four and a half pound peacock bass. Oh, that's a monster. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm trying to get like I'm trying to get the um 
handle back on. My drag was really light, so he's taken off. Oh my god, my wife is laughing at me. She's like, "Reel it in." I'm like, "I can't. The reel's not attached." <laughs> oh, it was it was such a mess. But I got it in, and it was it, it's awesome. It was it was one of the coolest catches I think I've had. First cast, man. First golden shiner. That day, my wife actually caught a five pound largemouth on the same lake. No. Yeah. Oh, that's crystal, crystal clear water. And we watched the um, largemouth attack that golden shiner. Mm. I, we're sitting there watching it. And as soon as it goes, it, it, it made a turn and went for it. I was like, set the hook. And she did, man. She set that hook and got it in. It was mm-hmm. super awesome. That um, is, oh, I love those kind of stories, man. It, see, I, like, I, I love telling that story. It's, I'm really, I, like, that story makes me excited because it, it just shows what fishing's all about, you know? It really so, does. And then, especially in Florida, when you got so many different species, and, and that's not a native species to Florida, you know? No. That peacock no. bass and got all sorts of different species. When I go fishing in Florida, I feel like I'm going to have a zoo experience. And what I mean by that, things you don't typically see in everyday life that you only see in a zoo, you'll see in Florida. I was right. actually fishing and I watching this little tall stork bird, Lake Okeechobee. Never forget it as long as I live. And I'm over here flipping and I'm not far from it. Then I hear and like a really horrible scream, that same bird, after I turn my head and turn back. This cougar just taking it and running up into the brush. I never thought it would be somewhere because it was like an island. I was like, so this thing had to swim across and there's animals just living on this island. And that cougar just took it and it was a rat. Beautiful animal. Oh, my. Like, that would be. It's just unbelievable. Pythons. I've been flipping down at Okeechobee and then I see like, man, it's a big old log. Uh, that is not a log. That is a python. <laughs> Dude, that's insane. I, I Gators. Mean, I mean, you David, man, you could see it all in Florida, and it, you don't have to be in any any special place. You can be in a regular neighborhood and see just these unbelievable animals. Birds. I know. I was where I caught the peacock bass. I literally was in the middle of a neighborhood. Wow. Like there was a neighborhood completely around me and a community like basketball court and no um yeah, basketball court and uh playground at one end of the lake. Like the, that's where we were at was by that end of the lake with the playground and stuff. And it was a community lake with um a neighborhood around it. Wow. I and and peacock bass are just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they're one of the most beautiful fish out there. They so, are, man. That that whole color spectrum and hues of colors it has is beautiful. Oh, it just it, I, I, when everybody when you know living in Alabama, everybody fishes. It seems like, and you start talking about bass fishing, and it's like, oh yeah, this was a really pretty bass. And I'm like, you want to see a bass? That's pretty. Here's a peacock bass. <laughs> Blow them off. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and and it's kind of fun. Alabama's no slack for fishing, man. It's some, no, some they're not. Best lakes in the country. One of my favorites, believe it or not, is Smith Lake. I know you have Gunnersville. Gunnersville is a known place with some toads, but I love Smith Lake because I like that clear water, and you can do a lot of top water action. It's just been good to me. I love that place. I am going there for my first time, and it's not even to fish. In a couple no. weeks, yeah, I'm going there and not even to fish. I'm going down there. The um, Bass Pro Tour is going to be down there. Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm going down there to see the guys and everything, and see James and um, my boy James. I love me some James. He's such a good guy. Uh, That's my dude, man. I'm gonna go and see James and James Watson for y'all. If I didn't mention that already. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to meet Mr. Mike Iconelli. That's Mike, my goal for guy. the weekend, Ellie. Great guy. Or, for the weekend, that's my whole goal for the week is to meet him. Mm. So I'm sure it'll happen. I'm oh sure yeah, it'll happen. And he's an approachable guy. He he really has a lot of humility, and you see all this media attention 
focused on him. Sometimes it's not always a fair depiction of who he really is. He's a good guy. See, I watch I, I watch his podcast as well, Ike Live, and it he just seems like a guy I want to go and have a drink with. Yeah. And it's fun. It's kind of funny. So my wife and I, we were sitting on our way back from um, weigh-ins on Saturday at the Bassmaster Classic. And she's like, what do you even know about Mike Iaconelli? So I pulled up his page and he's got his likes and everything. Uh And um, like half of the things that he says he likes on his website are the same things I like. <laughs> there it is. And every guy, man. <laughs> I'm, He's I'm real like, people, man. And that and that that's just cool. So I'm really excited to go down there. But as soon as they're gone, in mm-hmm. within a week or two of that, I'm taking my boat and going down there fishing. Oh, you have to. Yeah. Oh my I goodness. like mm. I that's my that's my plans. Mm. So so speaking of, you know, since we're on the bass fishing stuff now. So what kind of rods and reels do you use when you're out there bass fishing? I I, uh, I use my Shimano rods and reels. And Shimano has such a broad spectrum of rods. It's been around historically a long time. Saltwater, they just dominate. If you don't yeah. fish with some Shimano equipment on the saltwater side, you're probably not fishing with the elites. You're fishing with something to get by but it is a known product that will last you for a long time. As you know, I used to be with uh, Abu Garcia, which is a great product as well. So I can't tell you uh, any real bad products out there because they're so compatible to each other. It's just personal preference. And I, I love my Shimano rods. And of course, when you're dealing with Shimano, you're dealing with G Loomis, of course. Of course. And what do you say when you say G Loomis? You say quality. And yeah, you, also you really say do. Sensitivity, and you also say, "Man, that's expensive." <laughs> yeah, but it's well worth it because it'll it, last you a lifetime. It really will. And then the service, and then the return policy, and all of those things are important. So you really can't go wrong with Shimano across the board. And of course, they got the Power Pro, the V2 uh, Power Pro line, and and that is that's rock star line right there when you talk about braid. Um, so it, it just has so many elements that, that I love and fits me the way I like to be fit across the board, especially dealing with the saltwater side and freshwater side. And then when I'm going way offshore, man, you've got to know that your equipment's going to hold up when you get into some of these pelagics. They are just some monsters. You just never know what's coming out of the deep, you know. Yeah, uh, and and you got to know that it's not gonna snap. I've had a rod before when I was kind of getting acquainted with my offshore game that just kind of fell apart. It wasn't Shimano, of course, but I tell you what, I I realized right away it's not just about hey, this one's the cheapest one. It seems like I one that I want to buy, <laughs> right? And then sure enough, snap, snap. After two snaps, I was like, okay. I think I got it. <laughs> yeah, I, go I would buy think so something too. Because, you know, so it's 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 all about having quality, and sometimes you got to pay a little bit more just to get what you need quality-wise. I'm the type of person that, that grew up around, you know, pawn shops where you buy something cheap or recycled, even going to uh, Salvation Army. I'm not ashamed to say my dad would go in there and he would take us to a tailor after buying something from a – a you know salvation arm or somewhere like that and then turning that thing into a million dollar suit with a tailor and tailoring it for you and and i tell you you can look like a million dollars for a lot less but there's times and places where you can't compromise quality and uh i I think that when it comes to your equipment because that defines how you're going to fish and what kind of day you can have and if you want to have a long day have some bad equipment you know what I mean? It will be a long day. And I've I've talked to my equipment in not a nice way when it wasn't being nice to me. <laughs> Especially Sometimes the day you have when to do two that. rods broke on me that I decided to buy at some local tack, tackle short, uh, shop, you know, because I wanted an extra one of these. And I ended up buying something uh, for convenience sake. And I said, I'm never doing that again. I'll just wait <laughs> until right. Mike comes in. 
So it's all good, man. But Shimano is where where we play. You know, you talk about how they last forever. I literally have one. Oh, I have two Shimano reels, Baycaster reels, that my dad actually won in tournaments back in the late 80s, early 90s. Wow, there it is. And they, st- I still use them because oh. they're they're they back then back in the late eighties early nineties they didn't gear stuff at you know six three and seven one and stuff right right so these are five four mm. and that was a high speed reel back then yes it was it was it was the deal I had yeah. plenty of <laughs> and that was that like that was pretty high speed and I've got two of them and I use those for very technique specific stuff mm-hmm. and you know? that's important man when you when you can see the longevity of a product that's been around a long time there's some companies out there obviously that are that are doing well in the business but always get a little bit leery i always get a little bit leery when i see a product that tends to get lighter and lighter and lighter and that, that always says to me compromise 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 because lighter is not always the best thing when fishing and you know if you want something quality you got to have a little bit of beef to it 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 just can't go as light just to brag to say hey this one only weighs a half an ounce man let's go catch him you know it's not gonna work man (laughs) it's gonna be made of paper you know and uh, paper usually don't catch fish real well I no, don't believe that normally. You, you, sometimes you got to have a firm, solid, even weighty uh, piece of equipment. And guess what? That same piece of equipment will last you a long, long time. I, I completely agree. So, Mr. Ronnie, let, let me ask you, let me switch gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So you have a TV show called A Fishing Story. Yes. What really, how did that happen like how did you how did you come up with this idea and will you explain to my listeners for that haven't seen it which all of y'all go and watch his show it's awesome like it's great i'm telling you my wife i think is literally watching it right now on um nbc (laughs) so i'm pretty sure that's what she's doing that's pretty interesting a coincidence but a fishing story is a show that uh, dives into the lives of people who have had tremendous life's experiences. And quite honestly, every single one of us have had some type of either traumatic or triumphant experience in our life that we typically either do or don't talk about. And then I merge the two worlds together of storytelling and uh, then going out on the water. Because one of the things I remember when I was younger, obviously my dad and mom, they fished a little bit. And my dad, I always tease him about it. I was like, Dad, you used to take us out all the time. But you couldn't catch a cold in Alaska naked, man. It was horrible. He just <laughs> wasn't a fisherman. He tried hard taking his boys out. But I knew that I graduated to a fisherman level of something special when I could go fishing with my great grandmother, she wouldn't allow people to go fishing with her unless you really had the passion. She didn't want to babysit. She wanted to fish. And so my great grandmother would, uh, take me fishing, but she was a somewhat stoic person in a normal environment around the family of a very large family and so on and so forth. But when we would go out fishing, She's a very religious woman. She wore a dress fishing. That shows you right there. And she meant business, though. She would handle those fish. But one of the things that she did more than anything when we had dead time, and anybody can attest to this, you never go fishing with anybody and never not talk about something. Sometimes you don't even want to talk. There's just going to be dead time. Fish don't bite 24-7. And it's just not always fast and furious. So you got to do something. And you might ask a person, hey, where are you from? What's going on? And those are the kinds of things that I would get from my great-grandmother. So she spoke more openly when she was in her element. And I always equated that to the water. The water did something special for her. 
and I connected all those dots. Then I'd come back home to mom and dad, and I'd have all these incredible stories about our family history, about a lot of things that she felt about certain things. And they were like, where are you getting this stuff? I never told them until I was like an adult. I was like, dad, I was getting it all from granny. My grandmother? No. So we all call her granny. That's so cool. Hence, that's where a fishing story was born. That's so neat. That, that's I. I'm at a loss for words. Which, if you ask my wife, never happens. That is that is so beautiful, Ronnie. That really is. That really is beautiful. Thanks, man. It's uh, it's so important to me, and I cherish the 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 moments. And the military helped me to understand the the fragile aspect of life and how quickly it can go and how quickly you can leave here and so one of the things you hear me talk about even on my show because I know how fragile life is and and time you can never get it back so I always like to value quality time and and when I'm out on the water I consider that my my special place you know I, where I don't want to waste time it's got to be important and why not waste time so to speak if there's a such animal on the water with somebody that likes the same passion you do and you end up talking and learning something new about a person you know what's interesting you know tournament fishing is always fun because you get paired with a stranger so to speak a co-anger or whatever the case may be. And guess what? You don't get to know that person whether you want to or not. Yeah. I've heard some stories where like they've, people have met their best friends because they were their co-angler and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a really, that's really cool. Um, so what, uh, uh, I don't want to do that yet. I was going to ask a question, but I don't want to do that yet. So who is someone besides me? Of course, uh, <laughs> that you want to shoot an episode with? Ay, ay, ay. That is a <laughs> really good question, man. But it's something intriguing. I got to tell you, uh, I'm a person that really feels like they have a gift of and can discern people quickly. And I was really moving fast at the Bassmaster Classic. And I had social media my social media guy with me and another person um that's helping out with a fishing story and we were supposed to be somewhere you know you have appointments and this that and other and you stopped and talked to me but i looked at them i said i got you know i gave them the look like i'm let me do what i do and when i connect with somebody i gotta go with that gut instinct and it was something special about you and why before i even got to talk more to you is just it's there was this energy man that people some people just have you have it you and your wife and you and and i thought that was really special so those are the people that i find for my show so that's you really cool rest assured that you'll probably be getting an invitation to be on my show because it's that it factor that i have to touch and kind of be able to connect with the guests and every single guest I've had on the show, I had to personally meet. I don't just find a person, I've got to talk with them. And it's just a, a gut feel that I go with that I know that the audience will relate to. And I sense that the audience will relate to you and your wife. Because I, I, I just you. do. And then don't ask it's... me why. And my wife asks me all the time, how do you know what you, uh, baby, I don't even know. I, it's just <laughs> one of those things, you just know. It's kind of like, how do you know when you take a step that your next step is is going to be there and not fall through the floor? Well, you just trust that it's going to be there. Just keep walking, <laughs> you know? So I, that's kind of the way I look at finding guests for the show. I, I never forget one of, the, one of the most unique places. I was in the building department downtown. We we're building a house. We're on the long-term project because I'm always busy. So my wife's like, when are we have you done? But uh, I'm coming I'll downstairs in an elevator. I'll send my wife to help as you I out. Got on... Huh? 
I said, I'll send my wife to help you out. She's good at all those projects. Really? That would be <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. She loves it. I <laughs> but I, I go and, and get on the elevator. It's like 19 floors. And when we're coming down, I meet a person. And I'm just talking to this gentleman. And next thing you know, by the time we got down to the bottom floor, he was going to be on my show. That's such so an cool. amazing thing. It's that gut thing. And sure enough, it was the right call because it was a show that just knocked it out of the park as far as ratings is concerned. But to me, ratings are a relative thing. That's not the most important thing. It's the people response, the letters that I get from people. You can tell the impact of a show from the emails that I get or the letters that will come through the website. It's unbelievable. I'll just be sitting and all of a sudden, doot, 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 doot. And it's just like emails, emails, emails. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, this show. And then you hear the passion in the letters. Man, I tell you, because people connect themselves to these stories. I went through the same thing as so-and-so. And, man, I feel like I was watching myself on your show. Thank you for what you're doing. And me and my wife, which I love to hear that all the time me and my wife that you don't hear a lot of with fishing shows trust me because i try to get my wife to watch a fishing show with me she's like yeah i'd rather uh watch paint dry than watch because <laughs> she just doesn't I, I know, understand. get into all fishing shows like me i can watch them all day me too and and but when she felt like that this was different uh and she was literally watching because she wanted to and she could have been doing something else. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting couples talking, women just as much as men. And why is that important to me? Because it goes all the way back to my great-grandmother, who always told me, she's like, I dream of the day when I could see um, women on the show, on a fishing show, because she would watch shows with me. And because uh, women have a huge place in fishing that not, everybody knows about sure enough i have just as many women as i do men on the show and even the men that i've had on the show that are prominent professional fishermen or incredible fishermen in some capacity there's a grandmother a mother somewhere that has had an influence on their fishing life which is so powerful and i would have never guessed it <laughs> So it's just like my way of paying back, you know, my great grandmother and she's sitting, you know, watching from from having just kind of laughing like I, you you did what you said you were going to do. Because, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, granny, if I ever get a show, oh, such and such and such. And such. She's like, that's really sweet, Ronnie. That's really nice, young man. You really thought, you know, and they never think that it would ever happen. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. So, what do you have in store for your fans? Oh, man. We got some shows in store for you. We've got some, and some of the guests that have contacted us, and, or we've had an affiliation with someone else that knew a guest. It has raised a bar, and uh, I get nervous about some of these guests because I'm fans of most of the guests that I've had or, you know, in some capacity when you're talking about entertainment or athletics or whatever the case may be. Um, we just had Anthony Miller, the wide receiver extraordinaire for the Chicago Bears. You want to talk about a guy who's a, who's a stick. He can flat out bass fish. He put on a spinnerbait clinic. So you don't want to miss that show. Steven Tyler, I'm sure you've heard of Aerosmith. Oh, of Rock course. star status, extraordinary. Had no idea he even knew who we were. Um, we'll be on the show. Tommy Lee. Dude, that's so awesome, man. You man, have Steven, oh, you have two Ronnie of the best Crew, rockers. Baby. Two of the best rockers of all time are gonna be on your show. Yeah. And you know, I dibbled and dabbled in, in some of the rock stuff, you know, Guns and Roses is about as where I went and I like some Tom Lee because he's a drummer. I like the drums, you know, but right. this is just, you know, it, it's amazing. Uh, the, the guests that we're able to attract, the Les Browns were, we were on the phone with them the other day. 
Les Brown, the motivational speaker extraordinaire. I've listened to his books. I've listened to it. it it's just amazing. Um, nephew Tommy from the Steve Harvey Morning Show. No Comedian. kidding. He is going to be on the show. That one will be coming up in May. So awesome. Uh, Arnez J the other comedian and there seems to be genres if you hadn't noticed so i have, have, I have. some uh professional football players there'd be some basketball players. there might be some comedian and i don't know how that works but the, it once one comes on then here comes a, a like a pipeline of folks who want to tell their story because they all have that entertainment life but um it's something about it when they have someone that gets on the show and they're a friend of their friend of a friend next thing you know, it's just like open the floodgates because we had Brit lightning on the show, lead singer from Vixen, uh, the all girl rock band. She is a beast on that guitar. And she, we did a jam session before we went out on the water and she surprised me with a song, her and lawn friend surprised me with a song that they wrote for me. And uh, that'll be interesting when you see. And then she just put a solo in there and tore the place down. And, man, it was rock fest. It was unbelievable. And guess who showed up to join the, the you know, played as the drummer and didn't expect that? My brother. So I walk in. No kidding. He's on the drums. He's a beast on the drums. And, you know, they're rocking out, doing their thing, and, they're just having a good old time. Like they've been playing together for years. And another bass player who happened to be at Sam Ash, it was just, it was epic, man. That's so, so cool, man. That's a, that's really awesome. And the fact that your brother got to be a part of it, that just blows my mind. You know, you talk about, you talked about a few minutes ago, how people connect with different episodes and stuff. And when I watch the episodes with you and your brother, it reminds me of me and my brother. Because wow. y'all pick at each other, y'all, but y'all love each other. It's, you can tell it's there, mm -hmm. you know, and it's and it's real. And y'all are friends. You're not just friends because you're brothers. You're friends because you're friends. Mm -hmm. And that's a very unique place. And we've come a long way since we were three and five years old. My mom used to think, one of y'all is not going to make it to 10 because you're always fighting each other because <laughs> we were always fighting. And it was a bloody mess sometimes. <laughs> that doesn't close surprise age, me. You know? But we are tight. And I've got an older brother. He doesn't necessarily like the outdoors like we do, but we're tight as well. And uh, all of them, me and my brothers and sisters were really, really close. If I don't talk to them at least once a week, something's wrong. That's how close we are. We're just as much friends than, than we are siblings. And that's a rarity. I, I, I really attribute that to the, the nurturing of a mother, a, a really incredible mom. As you know, my mother is deceased and, and what she left with us, uh, I, I didn't understand the value uh, as much until after she's gone because it's so powerful some of the things that we have is so special that you can't teach you can't nurture you can't do it in a matter of two years you can only see the progression since we were like younger and how it's developed into always look out for your siblings and we are all tight like that and and i i appreciate it so much because they're also my biggest supporters and that's important especially in this business, you know, cause you have your days and, uh, but they are oh, always, sure. they're the checks and balances, you know, they could care less about all of the fanfare. They know you as Ronnie and you always be Ronnie. And, you know, I had a brother who played in NFL for eight years. We knew him as Roderick and he'll always be Roderick. And, you know, so we <laughs> never change who we are because what you do sometimes can make you famous but it's not who you are. It's just what you do. Right. You could never take any of that with you to the grave. So be authentic to yourself by being just a good person and, and how your mother and father raised you. And that's important to me. Well, I can honestly say from the few conversations, well, at this point it's becoming many conversations because I feel like I call you for therapy and for <laughs> a laugh and everything else anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I, So listeners out there, I, we met 
it was what about a month ago mm-hmm. i think i've talked to you every week since then yep and Absolutely. i think and it's like a half an hour 45 minute conversation yes. every time it's it's just it just works out that way it but it shows how awesome of a person you really are you are oh, just man, you, you are so you are really a great guy and i'm i'm prefacing this um by saying how good of a guy you are because i i have a question for you mm. it's about the episode you did with your brother the second one mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of it there was a mention of a lunch bag <laughs> So was that really your Mickey Mouse lunch bag? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> oh, I think it's goodness. so great. I, I, you know, I can't say anything. My brother, he has a Mickey Mouse t- telephone. <laughs> like, so I can't say anything. But I saw that and I'm like, oh god. When I talk to him, I'm totally asking about it. <laughs> so I used to love having that. Uh, you know, bag with me growing up, it was like my lioness blanket. And so I would tease my brother about drumsticks because he carried sticks everywhere. You remember the hangers that had the sticks in it? And he would pull those sticks out and make drumsticks. So I'd make fun of him all the time about that because he'd get in trouble sneaking them at school and then playing on the, on, you know, and the teachers would tell him stop beating on stuff. And he never really got in trouble, but he just loved to beat on stuff. Well, obviously he had a talent, you know, right. with the drums. Well, mine was I'd love to take things like toolboxes because I'm really good with my hands. Mm-hmm. And I'd make stuff and I'd always have tools inside my <laughs> inside my lunchbox. <laughs> and it was big. <laughs> that is, that just... It's the greatest thing I think I have heard. That is so, that's so great. I, I, as soon as I watched that episode, I'm like, I got to find out the real deal. If that was really <laughs> his lunchbox. Cause I might have to give him a little bit of crap. So. Yeah, it's too funny that you caught that. And I, <laughs> I did everything I could not to laugh, man, because all it did was bring back childhood memories. And, and it was, funny. and that's what we aim to do. We try to keep it, organic man people want to see authentic people we don't try to stage conversations stage this stage you can't stage emotion because sometimes you'll see people get emotional on a show you can't stage that and i don't carry a script of the questions i'm going to ask we're just having a conversation and when people know that we're just having the conversations that just happen to have a camera close by, I make sure that the camera folks that I have stay totally, totally silent and do what they do and let us just do what we do by having a conversation. And that's what keeps it organic and people can see that. So I appreciate that you saw the the, the episode and appreciate how you understood the relationship with me and my brother. We are tight. I mean, we're, we're best friends as well as brothers. Because and we argue is... still. And it's oh, always sure. good because we were arguing about styles of fishing. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> See, <laughs> it's, it's funny. funny. And, and my wife, she's like, y'all are just too funny. She's like, I was like, but that's me and my brothers and sister. We're real with people. We're real with each other. And uh, there's genuine love and there's genuine concern. And uh, so we we look out for each other, but we also still keep each other in check. <laughs> you know, when I, whenever I saw him pull out that Mickey Mouse lunch bag, <laughs> I, I, my honest thought was, oh, there's going to be a conversation after they get off the, off the <laughs> camera. I was like, because I know, because that's the type of stuff my brother would do to me. Really? And I was, oh, oh, yeah, he would do stuff like that in a heartbeat. But he'd make it up. He'd be like, do you see this, you know, My mm-hmm. Little Ponies? This is what he used to carry. And I mean, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Like, but that, and that's why I'm like, oh, I got to find out the real deal if this is really his lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, my brother, he, you know, we keep a lot of sentimental things. The other thing I used to get teased about, I don't, even know, I don't know if you remember back in the day they had – 
you know, we didn't have like the video games except like the Atari, you know, and the little, but we oh, yeah. had the vibrating football sets, we call it, where you hit the button and these little oh, football yeah. men would move up. Well, I had like about 12 teams and I would paint because I was a great painter and real good with my hands. All of the jerseys and all of the teams and, and I'd have a league and then I even created using cardboard some different fields meaning I can transpose and put a field on the football set and make it a home field to have the team names in the end zones oh I would just get extremely creative then my mother walked in one day or my dad actually he's like what in the world's going on I made a stadium like remember the Cowboy Stadium had the top over yeah. it I took a cardboard box created all of these little dots of different colors so it looks like people were inside the stadium <laughs> Dude, that's so cool we were getting extremely creative man and we just loved it and we also love horse racing so my favorite horse of all time was seattle slew and so we would play horse racing too so we were just like kids that just loved the outdoors the indoors so when it was raining and you couldn't go outside or it's too cold we had things that we can do and uh that's a lost art and i think it it changes the way you look at things and your adaptability in life when you have to use your mind to create things and not let some instrument or computer create it for you i think that i think that's a that's I, I completely agree, man. I And you know what? On that, I think that is a perfect note for us to end on. I really appreciate your time, Ronnie. I have I have had so much fun. I, I won't be missing any of your future shows, that's for sure, because I'm pretty much caught up on everything I can find of yours online. So, um, but thank you again. You are, you are a treasure. You are a you are a amazing friend. You are a really good guy, and I'm so thankful that I was able to sit down and talk to you today. I really wish Rich was would have been able to um, be here for this one. I know he would have absolutely loved it. But I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from from your brother from Alabama, man. Thank you so much for being for being uh, on our show. We're, we're fam now, you know. That's right. So I really appreciate it as well, man. And Keep doing what you're doing, man. I love how you're impacting the industry and the aroma that you it, have out there. Just having a very good, authentic podcast that people can listen to and really connect with. I love that. I really appreciate it, man. And on that note, guys, remember when you're out there and you're out there fishing and everywhere, just remember, keep it better than you found it. Okay, guys? You guys have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Ronnie Green. Check him out on all his social media feeds and make sure you watch the A Fishing Story with Ronnie Green. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Stitcher. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week.